We begin tonight's tip show and performance, as we always do, with the eroticism of Eddie Murphy. Okay, well, I, I held for applause. I don't know if you guys gave it to me or not, but I held for it, so we'll, we'll see what happens at home. Uh, <clears throat> so, there's a movie that Eddie Murphy's in called Meet Dave, called Dave, called Inside Dave, Meet Dave. It's got different titles, different places in the world. Where Eddie Murphy plays... <laughs> A tiny alien inside a robot that's a human-sized Eddie Murphy as Eddie Murphy. <laughs> as Eddie Murphy navigates his way around the human foibles of love and 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 life in New York City. It's not a great movie, which is why you haven't heard of it. It's not an awful movie either, though. It's just pretty forgettable. It's really not that bad. I I gotta say, I went into it saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch this movie. It's going to be a bad movie. <laughs> and I'm going to hate it. And that'll be great, because I, I love bad movies and I love hating on them. So, I put it on. <laughs> and I just got to talk about how amazing I think it is as a guy who struggles to take any kind of shots whatsoever, like even when I look really good after a mirror. I just, I looked up the post, I was like, there's only one poster this could be. It's got to be two giant Eddie Murphy heads on that poster. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I bring this up because, can you imagine... Can you imagine being such a fucking movie star, being such a fucking level of Eddie Murphydom that you can make as shitty fucking, as many shitty fucking movies in a row as Eddie Murphy's made, and you still get to play two parts in a movie with both of your heads on the poster, and after it goes away, you still get work a decade later if you want it? I'm just so envious. I'm just, I guess, wow, no one's coming along with me on this one at all. I, all right, this isn't, I, did you guys all love Eddie Murphy? I'm so sorry. What am I finding out? Uh, <clears throat> I, I really kind of implore everybody to watch this movie. It's, it's, it's amazing for a bad movie, quote unquote bad movie. It's, it's really, it's really something else. I, I love bad movies and I talk about them occasionally on the show. And I don't blame anybody when a project goes awry because most movies suck. We don't think of it that way, but most movies that are released, nobody ever fucking watches them. Nobody watches them. The vast majority of movies that come out a year, any given year, nobody's seen them. Nobody cares. So I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just something, like when there's a special alchemy that happens when the movie's not good and people enjoy it, when there's a room-like effect, uh, that's, that's really something. And this movie fucking, let me tell you something, it fucking has it. Because the entire time, I'm expecting Eddie Murphy to be, like, jumping in and out of his poop chute. Because I just want you to imagine, it's a mini Eddie Murphy and a big Eddie Murphy, right? 
And so if you're imagining all the jokes that you would do with that, you're obviously imagining, well, obviously Eddie Murphy has to crawl up his own ass. But he doesn't. And, like, Eddie Murphy has fights with other aliens that are inside his robot body? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. But... Essentially, imagine that Eddie Murphy is a Smurf controlling a bunch, and a bunch of Smurfs are controlling a fucking giant Eddie Murphy. And that's this movie. And if that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know what could. So fucking watch this goddamn movie. Um, That's where I started. I said that I didn't have a lot to talk about tonight, and maybe we're cutting out all of the Eddie Murphy shit. Uh, I've never seen the whole... I've never seen chat this silent. I'm going to just... Because we don't have anything to talk about. Um... That's kind of where I'm at. For those of you who are unaware, for those of you who are listening uh, and, and and don't check on the social media and whatnot because it's fairly erratic. Uh, <clears throat> okay, apparently Eddie Murphy's not that big of a star. A lot of people are like, what the fuck is fucking Eddie Murphy? Uh, for a lot of people who don't check on social media and whatnot and what have you and just listen to the podcast, I, I put in my notice to vacate at the end of this month from this place. I'm done. I can't handle it anymore. I tried to record at the end of September really hard. Uh, I even braced Allie and said, like, ooh, like, I'm get ready, because here it comes. And then it, it really went horribly. And it was just kind of a last straw effect because I feel so good. So I don't have as much preparation up. I'm behind on a Patreon piece or two. Uh, I beg everyone's apology because I just, I hit my limit. I just decided, like, I can't be here no more, babies. And uh, 100%, I just want to say thank you to everybody. There's a fundraiser going on. Uh, I'm a little bit busy because I'm I'm, uh, running around outside the house and, uh, and actually in the world and actually checking on properties all the fucking time. Uh, I've actually gone out and checked a couple of different places, just checking out my my cell phone, and uh, and 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 checking and making sure that the sound is okay to record in the middle of the day. Yada yada yada. Uh, it's exciting. It's scary. <clears throat> I'm trying to displace the voice in my head that says uh, you're going to be homeless in four weeks if you don't find something. You're going to be homeless in four weeks if you don't find something. Because uh, <laughs> it's right. Uh, but I mean, I've made the play and I feel really good about it. We're looking, uh, I'm looking at stuff all the time, literally multiple times a day, every day, because if not, I mean, this is going to be on our fucking ass. Uh, already started the process of like deep cleaning. Already moved the fridge all the way out and like mopped underneath it. So, in it to win it, uh, in my own in my own heart and soul, I'm uh, yeah. I'm gonna take a picture of under the fridge before I move out. I'm gonna take a picture of under the fridge. <laughs> Don't tell me I didn't fucking keep this place in all right condition. It's a fucking hellhole. Uh, so cross your fingers for me. If you don't have any money, if you don't have any spare money in October, I totally understand. That's what's there, though. If you check out my Twitter, if you check out my Tumblr every single day, I'm putting up a progress bar. Uh, I haven't gotten into streaming video games yet. I just, I personally don't feel really good about streaming, especially streaming for money when, uh, especially streaming video games for money, I should say, when uh, I'm behind on a couple of things. But 
for real and for true, I think we're going to keep everything locked down. We're going to keep the podcast rolling out. There's no issues there. I beg all the patrons a little bit of patience. I beg you all uh, an extra dollar or two if you've got them. If you put them in the in the tip jar, if you put them in there, it 100% leads to uh, that bar going up, and I appreciate it and you very, very much. Uh, <clears throat> so that's that's what I'm doing. In addition to that... I think part of the reason why I did hit my limit so hard is that I... (sighs) The news is crazy. The news is really, really crazy right now. And it's not... It's... it's, If you you are a news watcher, if you want to be informed, if you're a political person at all... It's just insane, and it doesn't show any sign of abating, even right before I came to, to hit the record button on this, right up until the last minute I was, I was scrolling through a news article that just came out in the last hour, uh, and is, looks like it's ramping everything up. So <clears throat> there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of grumpiness happening in Daddy's body and Daddy's mind right now. So that being said, I'm actually super proud of the way things are going and how I'm treating others and how others are treating me. Uh, generally speaking, the treatment that you get is overall a reflection of the treatment that you give others, even if it's sometimes unfair. That's really unfortunate, but it is overall pretty true, I think. We do treat others how to treat us. Uh, we do teach others how to treat us. And uh, over overall... I gotta say that I, uh, it seems like even though I'm a grumpy Gus and even though I'm running outside the house every day and doing errands, uh, and even though things have not worked out at all these last three weeks how I wanted them to, and I've been rolling with that, uh, with that additional anxiety, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really on top of things. I guess besides talking about Eddie Murphy, I'm very compelling and interesting and funny. Uh, I, I've been engaging with people that I know and people that I don't know in person and online. It's been going pretty well. I, I, uh, I, I, I feel pretty, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty on top of things. So really, and, and, and truly, uh, bottom of my heart, I don't know where, I don't know when I'm so bad with timelines and I, I seem to. Elon Musk it a little bit when it comes to my projection dates. But if if you if you think that I do sound different or I do sound more more healthy or more focused, I, I agree with you. I think I do too. Um and I'm not quite a hundred percent sure where the switch came either, uh besides the physiological stuff, which I did talk about a little bit on the patron uh piece, some frustrations with that. Uh, last patron show at the end of September. So <clears throat> that's where I'm at. And and I imagine because that's where I'm at with the news and, and everything that's happening, that's where a lot of you guys are at uh, because there's a lot of crazy news all across the globe. Uh, most, of, most of you are, are, are Americans or North Americans. There's a lot of crazy news going on across the globe, and a lot of people have to care about what the American president does. So if I have increased frustration and anxiety about it, then I think you guys do too. And 
I just wanted to to say to you that we're going to make it out of this. I make a lot of jokes because I'm a cynic. And humor is how I process negative emotions or how I used to try and process them because uh, that was at least semi-productive. But in, in all sincerity, strange times end. And just because we're in the middle of a two-week maelstrom that's clearly going to extend for at least a little bit longer, um, it doesn't it, – it, these times end. So whatever happens to whatever you feel the chaos level or the general anxiety or frustration level in the world is, I just want to assure you from the bottom of my heart, I think things are going to change over. And if you think that I'm doing well or that I'm doing better or that I've got better sea legs than, than I used to, like I think so, if, if you agree with me that I do, I just want to show you that you're getting them too as, as we're talking, as we're going through these really interesting, really turbulent times together. You're getting your sea legs too. You may not feel like it, but I'm watching you from the outside and I'm promising you guys, you're... you're also gaining that strength. We're all wavering, so it's real hard to tell. But uh, when when other people are sinking, you uh, you staying afloat means that you're that you're ahead of the game. That means that you're doing great. It's all about how you're doing relative to you. How you are really really feeling about you can keep going, and you can keep going. I promise you, all right? So real serious times, and I don't, like, I, I guess I'm, I'm <laughs> I guess I'm supposed, I guess I just decided, like, fuck it, like, I'm here to beg you for money, but fuck it, I'm going to be depressing as shit about it. Um, but really and truly, before we get into the entertainment portion of this show, you've got this, okay? I've got this. We've got this. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to ask a million questions. It's okay to be confused. Uh, it's okay to wonder when is this going to end or why is it happening or any other question, any other concern. It's all fair game. But just remember, it is going to end. I want to see on the other side of it. And remember, there is going to be another side. Okay. So, <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> Uh, uh, embarrassed, like I said, I really don't have a lot to talk about. Um, there's just not a lot of pop culture, so I'll just say it because I did talk about it. I am mad at every single person who has a problem with the movie Us in any capacity. I don't care if you don't like the score of that movie, all right, if you critiqued it publicly. If you publicly took to fucking Twitter or something to dunk on us for any reason, but then you say that Joker is a good movie, we have a problem. I need you to take that fucking shit back. One of the two, probably fucking both, okay? I am gonna need a real... This just like... 
I don't know how many of you guys remember this. There's a real culture war moment in 2016. The Ghostbusters remake trailer came out, and for some reason, literally every single unfuckable man in the universe was summoned by it. Do you remember that? Literally every dude who couldn't get his dick wet with a wallet full of $1,000 bills in a whorehouse immediately came to talk about the Ghostbusters trailer. <laughs> because... I knew that they were all full of shit. All right? We all did. If you're listening to this podcast, there's no chance at this point that you you don't know what my stance on, like, feminism and neckbeards are. So welcome to it. We all knew that they were full of shit. But then, like, Aquaman came out, and they're like, Aquaman's a really good movie, though! It's the same stupid pieces of shit. Aquaman's really good, though! And I don't give a shit if you think Aquaman's a good movie. I don't. But if you said that Ghostbusters was like the destruction of your childhood or something, and then you went, Aquaman was really good though. It's the two combined that make you need to be destroyed. It's not one or the other. It's basic chemistry. The two cannot hold. How can you hold those two ideas... School's best! Egon! They were scientists and, and, and it was very important to me! And then, like, they fucking make Aquaman that fucking movie. Like, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I really liked it. Really, Aquaman, great fucking movie. It's just that same thing. Like, I knew people were just being bullshitty about us for no reason. Like, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. Does it? Listen, is it as good as Get Out? No. But, like, eight movies a fucking decade are. So get over it. Right? It's a great fucking movie on its own. Us. If it was just on its own and nobody knew who made it, people would really like that fucking movie. Us. All right? And I kind of can't get over it. Because people are still mad about rabbits. In us, not spoiling anything. It's on the cover. It's on the movie poster. There's rabbits. All right. There's rabbits in us, and people are mad at them. That's okay. It's okay to be mad at bunnies. I accept it. But then if you turn around and you fucking watch The Joker and you're like, that's a good movie. What the fuck? So I am not going to ruin any plot point of Joker. I am going to talk about a couple of elements that are legitimate elements of the movie Joker. Okay? These are legitimate. I don't know how this fucking thing won Venice. I think everybody must have been high and drunk. Here's an actual plot point of Joker. Ready? The guy who the movie Joker's about has a neurological condition where he can't help but laugh sometimes. Ready? That's premise number one. Now, that's kind of okay. Ready? It's kind of all right. I'm kind of okay with it. I'm kind of down with that. Premise number two of the Joker movie. Number two. Oh, but sometimes he can. 
Just gonna lay that down for you. Joker movie, two premises. One, this guy's got a neurological condition he can't control when he laughs. Two, I can though. Guess what? That's what they all thought was deep. Because when Arthur is the Joker, he's in control. Now, I'm not trying to, like, rain, like, snob down on y'all. <laughs> but they put that in the movie. Like, we're supposed to treat it. Like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader's big reveal. Like, they put it in the movie, like, Can you fucking... Dude! Dude! This is just like that one episode of Game of Thrones, except it's a movie. And I just 100%. I was just, I, I watched Joker for free. And sometimes I'll say like for free because like one of you will like be like, here's $20. Go see this movie. I hope you enjoy it. And that's on you. No, I actually saw Joker for free. I'm not going to, not going to quite talk about how that planned out. I saw it for free. And even if they paid me $25 for my time, I think I would have gotten ripped off. <laughs> if the Joker paid me money to watch that piece of shit just to fill the box office before it fades away into obscurity, it still wouldn't have been worth it to me. That movie it was promised to be so good. It won a fucking film festival. I can't stand how bad it was. All right. I should probably get off this, but just one last thing, not to be a snob. I, ha I just, I have this in my notes. Again, no plot twist, no plot twist. The Joker is basically kind of broken down into two parts, like a lot of movies like this are. A lot of superheroes, a lot of whatever becoming movies. The first half of the movie is the schlub. The second half is, you know, the Catwoman, right? First half of Catwoman, oh, this bitch is just taking all kinds of shit. Second half, oh, she's Catwoman. Right? It's that kind of thing. So it's the king kind of thing. First half of the movie, what a schlub. Second half of the movie, oh, he's the Joker. Well, like, it takes like an hour for him to start transforming into the thing that you want to see. It's a lot like Captain America 1. If anybody remembers Captain America 1, he gets the shield like 17 seconds before that movie ends. You're like some kind of captain for America. Here's a shield. <laughs> it's like at the very end, he's Captain America. The whole rest of the movie, he's just this guy talking to his friends and different CGI outcroppings, talking vaguely at Hugo Weaving. <laughs> it's that same kind of shit. <laughs> it's that same kind of fucking thing going on. But there's this one scene in a movie called The Phantom Thread. Again, I'm not trying to be an elitist. I love MCU movies, right? I'm not trying to be an elitist. But there's this one scene, one scene in The Phantom Thread. It has no dialogue whatsoever. 
And it 100% conveys, look at how fucked up this fucking fuck is. Look at how fucked up this fucking fuck of a fuck is. So much better than two hours of Joker. Oh my god. You want to watch a movie where you get to the end of it and you're like, how the fuck did that fucking fuck get so fucked? Watch the Phantom Thread instead of Joker. That's all. That's my advice. That's it. That's Jack for Movie Watch while he's a grumpy Gus. Uh, I took I took time out of my day because it's actually like there's, you know, trying to find a fucking place to live in a place where everybody's like, I'll meet you there tomorrow at between 2 and 8. Right? Like trying to find real estate agents in a town like this is just like so much fucking fun. So I took time out of my day to watch that fucking movie because I got it for free and it won the Venice Film Festival. And I'm so mad. And I'm so mad that I did. And I could have watched a better movie that I could have paid for instead. And I didn't. (sighs) Once I move... I'm starting to I'm starting to fear a little bit of a rival fallacy with my with my once I move once I move once I move like my life's not going to be better in every way once I move it's just going to be better in some ways but just once I get to the other side it's fucking move Uh, okay, last thing before we get into the readings. Like I said, I wasn't going to talk. Now we're already up to 25 minutes. I joked 45. Here we go. Last thing before I get into the reading, and thank everybody for coming out, and everybody who tipped, and all of the rest. I am finally starting, I guess it was showing off the body, that's all it took. I'm finally starting to get the flirtation through the internet I've always wanted. Finally. It's finally happening. After 25 fucking years, I'm finally getting the flirtation through the internet I've always wanted. And it's simply this. One, praise. Two, offers. Three, nudes. That's it. That's it. Baby. When that's all you're getting... That's a fantastic fucking... When you open up your DM slot and it's one, two, or three, oh, what a day maker. What else do you get? Oh, let me tell you, I usually get all kinds of questions, all kinds of concerns. I get, like, these weird phishing attempts, I think. Like, there's all, like, all these times in the past I'll open up my DMs and it'll be all like, I have to wonder what someone with your mind and obvious intellect are doing, showing off. Lots of shit like that. There's lots of like, come save me. There's lots of, there's lots of that. There's, there's, I, come save me is kind of like a broad category, but like, there's all like, I, I just turned 18 and I'm a virgin. That's one kind of come save me. There's all like, I, I have this boyfriend and he's nothing like you. That's another kind of come save me. There's like, oh, I hear you're doing real good with money and I like that. So here's my pussy. That's a come kind of save me. You know, there's different kinds. But none of them are great. 
It's never what I want to show up for. And so ever since I started putting like the the pictures out and what have you, I'm just going to say uh, the flirtation, I've, I've very much enjoyed what I've gotten back. There's a lot more just like, hey, I'm a new fan and I like your podcast. By the way, here's my bust. <laughs> I'll take that every day. Holy shit. I got that message before walking out the door, and I was like, some days are better than others. <laughs> I read that message before walking out the door. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to this thing. Oh, I don't want to go to this thing. Ding! What's this? Oh, you can podcast. Oh, look, it's message one of two. Oh, the first mess. Oh, look, the message is very nice. You're a new fan. You can't wait to be. Oh, oh I wonder what the second part of this message is. That seemed rather... Ooh! Oh! Ooh, it's Titty! Excellent! My favorite is when it's in reverse order. It is. There's something really special about opening up a message. You, like, you see that you've got three messages from one person that you've never spoken to before, or whatever, and you're like, okay. And you and you open that up to see what's in there because they don't tell you what's in there until you open it up. Pandora social media or some shit. So you open it up like the loot box of life, and it's really it's like I said these are great messages to get when you get that message and then like you scroll down and you see the breasts you're like that's that's amazing I'm so excited. But it's so much better when it's the naked pictures first and then the cordial message. Because that is such fucking confidence. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sending someone a picture of your ass and then your breasts and then saying all like, hello, I just discovered your Oh my god! What the fuck is that? How did you get there? What? That's amazing! And I'm sorry, like, I don't know what it is about showing my arms or my chest in a hoodie that got that, but apparently just, like, here's my forearm. It's like, okay, that's how I, that's, apparently I'm hot enough. That's how, once you're hot enough, apparently that's how hot enough women say hello to your podcast. I didn't know this. It's amazing. Is this how Ira's glass fucking, fucking... Does Ira Glass open up his DMs just every day and it's just all like a big old picture of fucking ass and then he scrolls down and it's like, hello, I'm the finance minister from Sweden and I was wondering if you could do his... Like, is that how it works for everybody? Or is it just me? <laughs> I was just talking... I swear, we're about to get into the fucking request. I was just talking about this to goddamn Allie. And I have to answer this question now several times a week. And I'm worse at it. I'm worse at it every time somebody asks. Not better. I'm worse. Like when you're a child and you're fighting a boss in a video game and they're too hard. So you just get worse. Like because you already know you're going to like. And you get back and you just you do worse every time. It's like I get worse at answering this question every time. Somebody just goes, so what do you do for a living? It's like, ah. Ah! 
So <laughs> and it's just it really it's like it's like every time I've tried a million answers, I keep thinking I've got it, and then like someone really started pressing me on it, and then they started being all like, "How can oh you gonna you gonna hook me up? You gonna give me a link?" I'm like, "No, no." <laughs> see here's the thing that's what I never thought of as I cut I kept refining it and getting more official so here's what I said I said oh I I'm an audio technician and uh, I you know I, I sometimes work on social media and, and that kind of thing contractor oh that's great I have a nephew he's like ah! <laughs> god damn it so anyway, now I'm doing sex work with his nephew. Hey, like I said, it's a hard it's a hard environment to rent in. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys. <laughs> Nephew is not a very cool dude. He's very much one of the one of the background Jesse Pinkman friend characters from Breaking Bad. He's one of those. <laughs> by 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 working in audio, the guy meant that he has a Casio keyboard that he found out of a fucking dumpster. But we're making it work. We're making it work. <laughs> All right, guys, <clears throat> we have the absolute perfect poem to start this off with. Oh, hushed morning, mild. Thy leaves have ripened to the fall. Tomorrow's wind, if it be wild, should waste them all. The crows above the forest call. Tomorrow they may form and go. O oh, hushed October morning mild, begin the hours of this day slow. Make the days seem to us less brief. Hearts not averse to being beguiled. Beguile us in the way you know. Release one leaf. At the break of day. At noon, release another leaf from one of our trees, one far away. Retard the sun with gentle mist. Enchant the land with amethyst. Slow, slow, for the grape's sake, if they were all. Whose leaves already are burnt with frost. Whose clustered fruit must else be lost. For the grape's sake, along the wall. October by Robert Frost <clears throat> Weavers weaving at break of day, why do you weave a garment so gay, blue as the wing of Hacklin wild, 
We weave the robes of a newborn child, weavers weaving at fall of night. Why do you weave a garment so bright, like the plumes of a peacock, purple and green? We weave the marriage veils of a queen, weavers weaving solemn and still. What do you weave in the moonlight chill, white as a feather and white as a cloud? We weave a dead man's funeral shroud. Indian Weavers, poem by Serojini Naidu. And let's try and get a little bit better at this right now. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's been contributing to the Moving Fund very much indeed. I appreciate you all very much. Emma D. said... Uh, Let's get you moved. Thank you, Emma D. Julie K., my sound lover, said, Jack, hope the moving fund grows quickly and you find your perfect place to be happy and record for all the babies. Right back to you. Brittany, ignore the name. I'm so sorry. Onward and upward. Out of your current place and onward to better things. You deserve it. Here's to a great show. Thank you guys so much. The tip jar is open, and I will be reading your names as we move through the show. Thank you, girls, very much. You keep the show on a growing and a going. And Brittany, I didn't say the last name for once, so hooray, and we don't have to take it out, but uh, I won't say it anymore. Brittany, thank you one last time, even though you don't want me to say your name, but I appreciate you so much. Okay. <clears throat> the world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on a table, so it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it, babies teeth at the corners, they scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table we gossip. We call enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table, and we have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Joy Harjo Perhaps the world ends here. <clears throat> I love you for what you are, but I love you yet more for what you are going to be. I love you not so much for your realities as for your ideals. I pray for your desires, that they may be great, rather than for your satisfactions which may be so hazardously little. 
A satisfied flower is one whose petals are about to fall. The most beautiful rose is one hardly more than a bud wherein the pangs and ecstasies of desires are working for a larger and finer growth. Not always shall you be what you are now. You are going forward toward something great. I am on the way with you. Therefore, I love you. I Love You by Carl Sandburg. God, that guy could write. <clears throat> Cold in the earth are the deep and snow piled above tree, far, far removed, cold in the dreary grave. Have I forgot my only love to love thee, severed at last by time's all-severing wave? Now, when alone, do my thoughts no longer hover over the mountain on that northern shore, resting their wings where hearth and fern leaves cover thy noble heart forever, ever more. Cold in the earth and fifteen wild Decembers from those brown hills have melted into spring. Faithful indeed is the spirit that remembers after such years of change and suffering. Sweet love of youth, forgive if I forget thee while the world's tide is bearing me along. Other desires and other hopes beset me, hopes which obscure and can do me no wrong. No later light has lightened up my heaven, no second morn has ever shone for me. All life's bliss from the idea was given, all life's bliss is in this grave with thee. But when the days of golden dreams had perished, and even despair was powerless to destroy, then did I learn how existence could be cherished, strengthened, and fed without the aid of joy. Then did I check the tears of useless passion, weaned my young soul from yearning after thine, sternly denied it burning wish to hasten down to the tomb already more than mine, and even yet I dare not let it languish, dare not indulge in memory's rapturous pain, once drinking deep of that divinest anguish, how could I seek the empty world again? Untitled <clears throat> Untitled but very emotional Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. Whoever our untitled poet is. We're going to finish up with poetry after just a couple of more of these. And after that, we're going to do quick quotes. Get your quick quotes ready, everybody. Remembrance by Emily Bronte. Fantastic. We didn't have it. It was untitled. So that was Remembrance by Emily Bronte. Everybody who's here for the live portion of this show, if you want me to say something in your marks, just go ahead and put in quotations. I will say it for you. Get it ready. Type it up. Allie will go ahead and give you guys a little example there uh, in the chat. And if you put it in quotation marks for the quick quote segment, I will say it. Again, we've got three more poems, and then we'll go ahead and get right on into it. Here we go. <clears throat> 
Oh, whence do you come from, my dear friend to me, with your golden hair all fallen below your knee, and your face as white as snowdrops on the lay, and your voice as hollow as the hollow sea? From the other world I come to you, my locks are uncurled with dripping, drenching dew, and you know the old whilst I know the new, but tomorrow you shall know this too. Oh, not tomorrow into the dark, I pray. Oh, not tomorrow too soon to go away. Here I feel warm and well content and gay. Give me another year, another day. And I am so changed in a day and a night that mine own only love shrinks from me with fright, in fain to turn away to left or right, to cover up his eyes from the sight. Indeed I loved you, my chosen friend. I loved you for life, but life has to end. Through sickness I was ready to tend, but death mars all which we cannot mend. Indeed I loved you, I love you yet. If you will stay where your bed is set, I have planted a violet, which in the wind waves, which the dew makes wet. Life is gone, then love too is gone. If it was red, I'd be lent upon. Never doubt I will leave you alone, and I will not wake you rattling bone with bone. I go home alone to my bed, dug deep in the foot and deep at the head, roofed in with a load of lead, warm enough for the forgotten dead. But why do your tears soak through the clay, and why do your sobs wake me where I lay? I was away, far enough away. Let me sleep now, till judgment day. The Poor Ghost by Christina Georgina Rossetti <clears throat> Tears, idle tears, I know not what they mean, Tears from the depth of some divine despair rise in the heart and gather to thine eyes in looking on the happy autumn fields and thinking of the days that are no more. Fresh as the first beam glistening on the sail that brings our friends up from the underworld, sad as the last which reddens over one that stinks with all we love below the verge, so sad, so fresh, the days that are no more. Ah, sad and strange as in days summer dawns, the earliest pipe of half-awakened birds to dying ears, when unto dying eyes the casement slowly grows by a glimmering square. So sad, so strange, the days that are no more. Dear as remembered kisses after death, And sweet as those by hopeless fancy feigned, On lips that are for others deep as love, Deep as first love, and wild with all regret. O oh, death in life, the days that are no more. The Princess, Tears Idle Tears by Alfred Lord Tennyson. We really just need to call that guy Tennyson, you know. Nobody else really besides Byron gets the Lord in. 
and nobody gets their first name and the title. So Tennyson going forward, eh? <laughs> One last poem, and then we'll get to quick quotes. A fan favorite. Here we go. <clears throat> Out of you whole life but give but a moment, all of your life that has gone before, all to come after it, so you ignore. So you make perfect the present, condense into a rapture of rage for perfection's endowment, thought and feeling and soul and sense merged in a moment, which give me at last you around me for once, you beneath me, above me, me, sure that, despite the time future, time past, this tick of lifetime's one moment, you love me, how long such suspension may linger on, ah, sweet, the moment eternal, just that and no more, when ecstasy's utmost we clutch at the core, while cheeks burn, arms open, eyes shut, and lips meet. Now, by Robert Browning. Thank you to everybody who sent in a poem. We got a really great series of poems out of that. I think a little quick sip of water and on to quick quotes. I hope everybody's having a good show. I fucking love Friday nights. I love coming out, shaking my ass, shaking my stuff for you guys. I enjoy it very, very much indeed. Okay, here we go. I can't wait to use this pretty little mouth. Proud of you, Sierra. Come get under this blanket, kitten. I need your warmth and to put soft kisses on that delicious snack. You dare tease me, little one. Let me enjoy this. Let me enjoy you. Oh, baby girl, you look so tired. Come here, and let me hold you. Come on, shy girls. I know you want to say something. I know you do. Maria said, let's get you moved out, Jack. Thank you so much, Maria. I appreciate you very much. Wishing you the best of luck on your upcoming move. Thank you so much, Alice. I appreciate you. Sierra, hope you find a place soon. Sending you all the good luck. Sierra, thank you so much, darling. Nicole, good luck with the move, Jack. Darling, thank you. Aaron, sounding better than ever. Fingers crossed for that perfect place for you and Mrs. Kitty. Kiss, kiss. Thank you, darling. Lisa said, let's get you moved. I appreciate all of you very, very much. Very, very much indeed. No more quick quotes? Oh, my goodness, girls. I come here for you. Daddy works for you. Don't you want me to say what you want me to say? Oh, goodness. One last quick quote, I guess. That's the only thing we have here. We love it when new girls say hello. We love it when new girls have something for me to say. Just saying. All right, last quick quote that I have written here. 
I'll tell you when you're done, baby girl. Now, come for daddy. All right. Well, that's that's quick quotes. Uh, nobody asked for it. <clears throat> and half of you are not going to enjoy it, but here we go. <clears throat> find out through tips by the end of the show if anybody liked that or not, I guess, for future information. Okay. <clears throat> I thought this was a love letter, uh, but it is clearly not a love letter, and it's not porn, so I'm just going to read this. I'm pretty sure the piece after this is actually a love letter. Apologies. Uh, this is how you can tell I don't screen things, because here, here I go reading a love letter. <clears throat> there is nothing so sexy as seeing a solid young dyke coming with her legs bent in a diamond shape, feet together, and one of those Hitachi camping flashlights, those Hitachi huge-eyed deep-sea exotic fishes doing its blunt, tireless thing in her Marinus Trench, Marianas Trench. That's all one sentence. Maybe I should give that one another try. That's all one sentence. One more time. Here we go. <clears throat> There's nothing so sexy as seeing a solid young dyke coming with her legs bent in a diamond shape, feet together, and one of those Hitachi camping flashlights, those Hitachi huge-eyed deep-sea exotic fishes doing its blunt, tireless thing to her Marianas Trench. I risked being seen, emboldened by how loud the vibrator was, timing my master strokes to the shaking of her knees and the somewhat zen-like whooshing of her breathing, and when she began to come for the second time, I did in fact stop time for an instant and laid my dick in her palm and closed my fist around her fist, and squeezed on it so tightly my knuckles turned yellow, sliding within my skin in and out of her grip. As the inexorably, inexorability of my clasm began, to began, I pulled down on my glasses so that she and I were living coterminously. And as she came, I released one-liners of sperm up her forearm, and then squeezed the last semi-painful droplets of my orgasm out on her curled fingers. I let her just begin to register the fact of my cooling slime on her arm after she finished coming, before I stopped time, toweled her off, and left. Uh, I'm guessing somebody sent that in for funny reading, and I didn't know, 
I saw the length of it and just assumed it was a love letter. I guess it was a love letter to bad writing. <laughs> and in a sense. <laughs> that was Nicholson Baker, the Fermata. Nicholson Baker, the Fermata. I'm sorry that I insulted you, Nicholson. I know we're all just slinging slime in our own way. I probably shouldn't be down on you. <sighs> but I am. Stopping time to fuck women is like the worst kind of rape because it seems so playful. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that. I'll, st I'll, I'll just, I'll still say this as a dude. Like, I'm not trying to start no fights, but now that you all don't like Outlander as much as you did two years ago, um, again, not trying to be in a fight with any of y'all, but I, I always do find it really interesting how much historical fiction has rape like just straight up rape and like like not like the bad guy the good guy like there's just a lot of it going on in historical fiction and i've always thought that's a little dangerous anyway, uh, there's a lot of it there's a lot there's a lot of women saying no and then getting the dick <laughs> you know what i'm saying it does happen quite a bit does it happen in highlander i know because you guys made me read the first time they had sex. And I just got to say, I'm still not on board with the fact that he was a virgin. <laughs> I'm still not down with it. I've had a lot of time to process it. And I'm still not down that you guys are cool with this fantasy of the big burly guy who rescues you. And then he's all like, now teach me how to make pee-pee dance. I don't get it. I'm not down with it. The way that he does it is like a child. The way that he describes that he's a virgin to her is like a six-year-old talking about sex. Because he's all, like, shy about it and shit, man. Like, he's all like, ooh. His face has turned the same color as his beard. He's like, ooh. Ooh. I've never done it before. You could you could be confident. You know why? Here's how I know this. Because I was with a woman who had I've never had sex with a with a woman who was a virgin, and I was a virgin who had sex. I know. Don't write National Enquirer or anything yet. It's true, I swear. And when she was like <laughs> when she was like Hey, so I've had sex and you haven't. Are you worried? Uh, I was all like, no, mama, come here. Teach me how to use this thing. Like, I put my feet out. I put on that George Michael song. I'm never gonna dance again to the feet. My heart is cheating. You know? I know exactly how that conversation goes if you're actually confident and sexy. I had it. I was all like, I choose you. This is before Pokemon was popular. I choose you. And then I pointed at my ball sack. And she was all like, ooh. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> you only get one shot at it. That's your take, Scottish warlord? Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's not a warlord because he's fighting against a bad Englishman. He's not a warlord. 
He just keeps fighting and gets promoted. He just fights and he gets promoted and he takes the things from the people that he kills when he's fighting. He's a good guy. Outlander. How many seasons is that fucking show on? <laughs> Four? Is that it? I feel like I feel like I've been hating Outlander almost as long as I've been hating Twilight. I got to I got to get over it. I got to stop caring. <laughs> He's the assistant manager of the Warlords now. Every every season of Outlander, you can tell that he's more of a raider because he's got more woad on his face. In season one, he's only got one little blue spot, but by season four, he's got half the blue on his face. <laughs> Remember when people gave a shit about Danny's braids in Game of Thrones because we thought it was going to end good? Ah, oh, those were the times. <clears throat> All right, love letter. <clears throat> Cutting curl papers half an hour. Arranging and putting away my last year's letters. Looked over and burnt several very old ones from indifferent people. Burnt. Mr. Montague's farewell verses from no trace of any man's admiration may remain. It is not meant for me. I love, and only love, the fairer sex, and thus beloved by them in turn... My heart revolts from any other love than theirs. Came upstairs at 11 a.m., spent my time from then till 3, writing to M, very affectionately, more so than I remember to have done for long. Wrote the following crypt. I can live upon hope, forget that we grow older, and love you as warmly as ever. Yes, Mary, you cannot doubt the love of one who has waited for you so long and patiently. You can give me all of happiness, and I care for, and pressed to my heart, which I believe my own, caressed and treasured there. I will indeed be constant, and never from that moment feel a wish or thought for any other than my wife, you shall have every smile and every breath of my tenderness. One shall our union, our interests be, and every wish that love inspires, and every kiss, and every dear feeling of delight shall only make me more securely and entirely yours. Then, after hoping to see her in York next winter, and at Steph's before at the end of the summer, I further wrote in crypt as follows. I do not like to be too long estranged from you sometimes, for Mary, there is a nameless tie in that soft intercourse which blends us into one and makes us feel that you are mine. There is no feeling like it. There is no pledge which gives us sweet possession. Excerpts from Anne Lister's Diary Wow, I didn't know why that first passage was included by whoever suggested that, but then once you read the second passage, yes, that first passage inclusion really adds to it 
What a what a drab, boring woman. And then suddenly she's just electric with love. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if my own diary looks as crazy and psychotic. Between eleven and two, I told the cat that they were a shit. Between two and four, I told the hearty with the body that she should take it off and get naughty. <laughs> My diary would not look nearly as impressive as these guys, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Between 11 and 11.47, tried to beat a boss in Surge 2, threw the controller across the room and said, Bullshit, 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 suck it. Dear Diary, it is on this day that I sell you the greatest, greatest tragedy of this year of the Lord 2019. For after ordering a pizza pie, it did not arrive upon my door. I have spent the better part of this morrow wondering and inquiring as to the location of it. The delivery, of course, was most important to me, and I expressly desired haste when fulfilling that order. Yet still, no transcription, no transpire has occurred. 1 a.m. I have resounded to making a pizza pie myself in the... All right, all right, I'll stop this fucking bit. It's not that fucking good. <laughs> here's the problem with getting... Here's the problem with getting on a bit like that. I'll never get off. If you keep laughing, I'll just keep fucking coming up with other shit to try and make sound a little old-timey. Well, just being like a minor complaint of mine. And it'll never end. It's the worst. I hate it. I get stuck in a loop. I'm like a I'm like one of those old World War One tanks that were like unstoppable because nobody knew what grenades were. It's not because they were good tanks or anything. It's just like shit. That wall of metal's coming at us. We don't have a plan for this shit. Fuck. <laughs> literally, literally, we've been winning by having more bullets than the other guys. What the fuck is this shit? Like you know those old World War One tanks that they weren't very good, and like sometimes they would just like fall over on one side. You don't even know how. They're so big and heavy, but, like, you see pictures of them where they're just on one side. It's just like that. I'll just keep going with one of those diary entries until I... until I'm on my... until I've got nothing left and I've just totally fucked up the tank. Dear diary... Like, it's just... It's so easy. That's why all those late-night show hosts do it. That's why they all have that sketch. Hey, let's bring a famous person on... And have him confess something for 20 seconds. Because it's always funny. All right. <clears throat> Guys, don't you want to be sexy? Don't you want to feel sexy to close out the show? I know you want to feel sexy. Let's get a little bit in. Come on. Stop being so silly. Let's get into it. Let's relax. Roll our shoulders. Deep breath. I know you want a little sexy to close out the show before I beg for money one last time. So here we go. <clears throat> We were sitting on the sofa, casually chatting, when we came home. When he entered the living room and saw us, he stopped dead in his tracks. He looked from me to my new friend, 
and back again. Before he could answer, I said, This is Kinney. We met in yoga class and got to talking. Kitty grinned and tossed her long blonde ponytail over her shoulder. We have so much in common. He sat in a chair across from us. Is that so? While we were talking, I noticed something and asked her to help out with us with, uh, with one of your fantasies. His eyebrows rose, but he didn't say anything. Show him, Kitty. She stuck her tongue out and proudly displayed her silver barbell tongue piercing. His eyes widened and a slow smile spread across his face. I wasn't into piercings other than the ones set in my ears. However, I knew he was curious about receiving oral from someone with a tongue piercing, and since I didn't plan on getting one any time soon, Kitty seemed a reasonable alternative. She was bisexual and in a committed relationship with a woman, but was allowed flings with men as long as it wasn't serious. Not only was he curious about the pleasures and piercings could bring, but he'd also fantasized about me instructing another woman on how to suck his cock. When the idea occurred to me, I talked it over with Kitty, and she was eager to play. I got up and stripped off my yoga pants and sports bra, but left on my panties. I told Kitty about your amazing cock and how much I like to suck it. Kitty followed my lead, stripping down to pink polka dot panties and bearing her small perky tits. Yeah, she promised to teach me what you like. As I walked over to him... He gave me a pointed look. Are you sure about this? He knew I wasn't into sharing, but this is something I thought I could live with. Smiling, I knelt at his feet. Just this once. Well, if you're really sure, he said, pulling off his T-shirt and tossing it aside. I'm all yours, dirty girl. Nibbling on my lower lip, I slid my hands up his legs until I felt his cock beneath the denim. He was filming, he was firming up quickly, and I traced his length, stroking him through his softly worn jeans. I held his gaze, watching the heat build in his eyes as his eyelids got heavier. Kitty joined me, kneeling in front of him as I unfastened his jeans and slowly lowered his zipper. He lifted his hips so we could pull off his jeans and boxer briefs in one go. His cock bobbed out completely hard and ready for action. With his clothes joining ours, he shifted towards the edge of his seat and spread his legs wide apart. Seeing him aroused and entirely available to my lascivious intentions never failed to inspire some ever-smoldering desire. An enticing warmth unfurled low in my belly, and a needy ache in my sex made me squirm as I knelt before him. His lips curved into a sexy grin as he looked down at me, not missing anything. Leaning forward, I stroked my fingers up his shaft. I like to lick the underside, 
and then take the head into my mouth and just lightly suck on it. I followed the path of my fingers with the tongue, teasing the thick vein from base to tip. I circled the head before wrapping my lips around it and softly sucking it, just like I described. He groaned and threaded his fingers through my hair, clasping a handful while I massaged the sensitive spot behind his head with the flat of my tongue. I released him just long enough to say, After that? I ain't trying to take him nice and deep. His grip on my hair tightened as I sucked him into my mouth until he nudged the back of my throat. I did it a few more times, loving the taste of him. I wanted to keep sucking while I played with my horny cunt, but that wasn't the point of this particular scene. This was all about his pleasure. Reluctantly, I relinquished his cock and he released my hair. Go on, I said, motioning to Kitty. You give it a try. She mimicked what I had done, but I knew her piercing was having the desired effect by the time his chest heaved. I watched her mouth working as she concentrated her attention on the head of his cock. Christ. Feel good? His burning blue eyes met mine. Fuck yes. Returning my attention to Kitty, I saw her smiling at me around his cock. Now take him all the way into your mouth, I told her. She slid her mouth down, but only took about half of him. This had all been prearranged. She knew just what to do. N no, you have to take him deeper. I took hold of her ponytail and urged her to swallow all of him until she made a gagging sound. I let her push back up and pushed her back down again, fucking her with her face again and again. He moaned, You're such a good little fuck whore. I knew the dirty compliment was directed towards me and grinned up at him. Even though this scene was primarily for his benefit, I found the illicitness of the whole thing surprisingly hot. My panties were sopping wet, and my clit throbbed in time with my pounding heartbeat. Kitty was getting off on it, too. She had her hand down inside her panties, playing with her pussy while she sucked him off. Kitty was playing with her pretty pussy. His loud groan snapped me out of my amusing thought. I'm going to come any fucking second. I gently pushed Kitty's head back down, and she released his cock with a wet, smacking sound. His cock was thoroughly coated in saliva and looked painfully hard. I took him in my tight grip and jacked him off hard and fast. The tip of his cock pointed right at Kitty's face. Anticipating what was coming, she furiously rubbed her clit. Her head was tilted back, her eyes closed, and her mouth slightly open. I was only holding her ponytail. She was lost in her own pleasure. Fuck! The first hard blast of spunk fell across her face and into her hair. She flinched slightly, but was quickly overcome by her own orgasm, crying out in pleasure as several more ropes of cum decorated her face. I released my hold on her hair and leaned forward to lap up the last drops I milked from his cock. After we took a picture of Kitty's messy facial for posterity, I helped her clean up and she went home. Once she left, 
he grabbed my arm and pulled me towards the bedroom. Am I in trouble? No. I'm going to get one of your other little friends to keep your night table and make you come and beg for mercy. Then I'm going to come all over your face or tits or ass. I haven't made up my mind yet. Sounded like a brilliant plan to me. <clears throat> me and My Friend by Rhea Restrapo. Yeah, that's something else, huh? All right, guys, we've got one more piece of porn to go ahead and write on or read on out for you. Oh, no, apologies. Two more pieces of porn to read on out for you. Hope you enjoy as we close on up. If you do have any more tips, go ahead and send them in. If you want me to read them off for you, this is the time. Thank you to everybody who came on out. Thank you to everybody who came out to the live show, who ran a request, who tipped, who brought well wishes. All of you keep the show on and going. I love Friday nights. We're going to have to start maybe experimenting with doing the live show at different times, at different nights, to move it around to crowds. But just so you know, I absolutely love doing the live shows. I love doing them with you. I love doing them for you. You guys make me feel so important, so sexy, so interesting. And really, at the end of the day, that's very, very lucky. I'm a lucky boy, and I know it. Let me go ahead and crank out these last couple of pieces. Hope everyone had a good time tonight. It's a dark East Williamburg bar. The music is too loud, and everyone is drunk. We both should be home. It's 2 a.m., but we're not. Our eyes lock for the first time in months. There's a flash of anger in his, then sadness, then that warmth, that cozy charm. It's almost a twinkle. It's disarming. He looks different. Our awkward exchange goes, Hey, how are you? It's nice to see you. Is it? Silence, sideways glances. I order us drinks as a goodwill gesture. Sorry for breaking up with you like that. Of course, I don't say it. A whiskey for him. He doesn't drink vodka with me anymore. We down our drinks, quickly order another round. I'm silently thanking a god that I don't believe in, that I saw him tonight, that he didn't turn away from me. He should hate me. The bar is closing soon, and we've had three together, but many more before, separately. We're talking, carefully avoiding triggering topics. We walk out together into the neon smash of Grand Street. We're not far from his place, also not far from mine, but we're always went to his. I offer to walk him home. We arrive at his door and linger under the ugly bright light and the big sign his landlord put up that says no smoking, because I smoked too many cigarettes there. We stand uselessly. I wait for him to invite me in. I'm aching for him, thinking about his cock in me, and it makes me want. I can still recall the way he filled me, the wholeness, the immediate verge of orgasm he kept me on while we were fucking. He starts to shake his head, reading my mind, knowing that we're bad together, but wanting me anyway. 
I always reveled in the moment he'd fall for me again, when I could watch the sense leave his face, and something more animalistic and honest enter his eyes. He was weak for me. I see it now. He shakes his head and pushes his hips against the wall, feeling my bone and the fat around it that leads to my ass. He leans into my neck and produces an angry growl, then inhales deeply. He's sedated. You smell like love, he always said to me. I melt into my victory, grab his cheek and press my lips on his. We pull back to look at each other, making a silent plan, and he turns and fumbles with his key. The door shrieks open the same way it always did. It's a warning that we do not heed. The acid trip pastel hallway is the same, and the stairs are the same, and we're walking a walk we walked a hundred times, except this time... It's different. This time, I know I will never walk it again, and I know once I'm inside his room, seeing all the life he's lived without me will kill me, and I'll be dead in a dream where we're fucking once more. I can only exist in that space in the length of a fuck, but I always came quick with him. I tell him to take off all his clothes and wait for me in bed because a wave of emotion has hit me and I don't want him to see it. Go, I tell him, and he does not protest. I enter the bedroom to look in the mirror. I'm exploring a childhood home that has been sold to new owners. Everything was once mine, and I don't know who it belongs to now. I stare at myself. My hair is wild and sexy in the reflection. We both have really good hair, he says to me on our second date. I see myself and turn away because I don't want to watch myself get hurt. Instead, I check my manicure and decide to dig my nails into him tonight. I'm going to leave a mark. I stand in the doorway to his room and study his body while leaning against the door jamb. I look confident but I'm really just drunk and deliriously hopeful we can somehow fix everything that went wrong by having hot sex tonight. He's on his back waiting for me, his hard cock pointing straight up, his hand lightly massaging his balls. I think it's a little funny how familiar it all is, and I let out a mischievous laugh. I know how to do this. Sit up, I order him, he does. Get on the floor, I tell him, still standing on the doorway. He scoots off the bed. On your knees, I reach up to the strap of my dress and slide it off my shoulder, then the other shoulder. I pull down from the hem slowly against all my impulses, knowing that this tease will undo him. I peel the dress down my legs and step out of it. I brush it aside with my foot and linger with my outstretched arm and leg, watching him savor my arch, my toes, my ankle. Because this is a fantasy, I'm wearing his favorite stockings, the kind with the built-in garter, the kind that are all so cheap and sheer, a hangnail could destroy them in a single encounter. I walk towards his face and feel his mouth against my pussy, still clothed in panties. I grip the back of his head, give that the thick hair and the nape of his neck a tug, and push him into me. He inhales me again. He breathes in hot. 
on my wet underwear, and he starts to lick me. I push the panties aside and hump his face. He shrinks beneath me. I edge onto the bed and bring my foot to his face, caressing his neck, his cheek, and pushing it into his mouth. He sucks my toes through the sockings. I twitch. I'm ticklish. My foot in his mouth delivers some new strength to him, because he's risen up from his knees now, bringing the leg up to his shoulder, kissing from the ankle down to my calf and behind my knee. His cock is hanging in the air, so hard I can't resist grabbing it. I I lead it to me. He slides right in. I wince a little. His size is spreading me, hitting me deeply. He grabs the cups of my bra and watches me spill out of it, my tits shaking as he fucks me. We adjust positions and I climb on top of him, situate against the wall of his bed and reflect in the mirror for both of our enjoyment. He catches my nipples in his mouth as I bounce over him. I lock down at my sweet, sweet fuck. I'm softened by his infant-like hunger for my breasts. I push him fully down on the bed, straddling him, looming over him. He reaches down for the clasp of my bra and finds it, releasing my breasts into his hands. I lower down onto him and my tits are right in his face. I fuck him with long, slow gyration. I want him to remember all that he is missing. I moan in his ear. He turns away from me when he feels he's about to come. I grab his face and force him to look me in the eyes. His anguish turns me on. I want to come, but I know that it will make him come, and I'm not sure I'm ready for the fantasy to be over. All that's left on my body is the stockings, watching him watching me in the mirror. Don't come yet, I whisper. Don't come yet. It becomes a chant. I'm bouncing on his cock, squeezing him inside me. I feel pressure mounting, and finally, I pulse on him and come. I manage to rinse off of him in time, so he's denied his climax. I decide to finish him a different way. I reach over the bedside table, pulling out my harness and our toy, the feel of the leather of the harness between my fingers and the rubbery firmness of the dildo, and assume a new mentality. I want to make him come fucking his ass, watching his face in the mirror. I step into it and tighten the straps, seeing this makes him soften anticipation. He rolls onto his stomach and gets up on all fours. I mount him from behind, playing with his crack and the lube-soaked dildo. A scratch lines down his sides that makes his wiggle in pain. In delight, he is arching his back, begging me to enter. I ease myself into him slowly, teasing him him, letting him open up for me. Then I fuck him with long, slow motions, just like I fucked his cock moments before. I tell him to touch himself, and I watch him cradle his cock together with his balls and the reflection in the mirror before he starts to jerk himself off. I'm fucking his ass, murmuring, do you like that, baby? Do you like the way I fuck you? He's gasping with pleasure, managing to get out the occasional, yes, baby, yes. I like hearing him call me baby again. I get aggressive and start pulling his ass into me, and I push into him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, baby. I can't hold it, he begs. I don't let up. I want to watch him come as badly as he wants to come. And he does, shooting all over the bed, 
shaking with pleasure, falling into it all, still saying, oh my God, baby, oh my God. I slide out of him and squeeze his ass as I do. The fantasy ends. <clears throat> the Ex-Boyfriend Fantasy by Georgia O. <laughs> Glad you all liked it. We've got one little more to close us all with. Thank you again one last time. Come quickly, the text message read. It's urgent. Her birthday tryst must not have gone well. He had been told if his services wouldn't be needed for some time, but evidently she had not gotten what she wanted, what she needed, or what she craved. She wasn't merely in need of pleasure, but of that special pleasure that only comes when the pleasure is meted out with a subservient devotion. For her, carnal pleasures were somehow more intense when she was revered as the goddess she was, and anything else felt hollow, left her wanting. She knew she could count on him. He was a little shy and a bit reserved, but utterly devoted. He was also smitten by the littlest of things, her smile, her gaze, or a glimpse of her skin. But no matter how much their encounters filled him with want and lust, he always kept his needs in check and kept her needs paramount. She could count on him for worship, and worship was what the goddess needed. He arrived on time, and she led him by the hand to the bedroom door, where she walked in to make herself comfortable. But he dropped on all fours, head down, waiting for her to give her signal. She disrobed down to her lingerie, positioned herself comfortably among the puffy pillows and cushions, and then took a deep, cleansing breath before melting into the mattress. Then she reached up and rang a small bell. His head lifted, and he crawled on all fours, like the pet he was. From his low position, he mostly saw her bared legs dangling down from the bed. Gently, he placed his palms on her thighs and caressed. He let her face get close to her altar and inhaled. Her eyes were closed, but she knew his reaction. His loins would swell as fast as hers desires. But he would keep caressing the tension out of her quads and her soul. Eventually he pressed his lips devotedly on each kneecap, massaging her thighs and calves. He also kissed each foot once as he massaged her feet, and again when he massaged each calf. Finally, she parted her knees. He had only been massaging for some minutes, but it probably seemed like an eternity to him. He inhaled the incense emanating from her altar again. But this time, he pressed his face against her panties. She felt his tongue lap against the cotton of his nose, press into her pleasure spot. A glorious intoxication began to stir in both of them. 
After more lapping against the cotton, she whispered, Take them off. He obliged, not with eager tugging, but after slipping them with reverence. He permitted himself one fleeting glance before resuming his oral worship, exchanging the taste of cotton with traces of her sweet nectar. Glorious worship at last. The goddess began to ascend as she felt his devoted tongue lap at her gateway and swirl over her pearl. His tongue worked over and through her folds and lapped unspeakable pleasure in her most intimate nerve centers. She almost could feel herself levitating in ecstasy as his moist, warm tongue gave with dutiful zeal. His tempo gradually increased as her moans began and then crescended. They had worked themselves into a perfect tempo and rhythm, him reading her cues to notch up the warship, and him dutifully intensifying the cunnilingus accordingly, all the while caressing her hips and channeling his increasing tension into his oral fervor. Her tension, like his, was almost becoming unbearable. Her words would be slaked, while his would be left unattended to. And why not? It went the other way around often enough. She smiled at the thought as she whispered one word. They both moaned as he felt that warm lubricant envelop his finger as he slid into her worship chamber. She moaned in pleasure and anticipation of ever greater pleasure. He moaned in flustered, unmet want. And yet, as she knew he would, he shelved his maddening yens and yearns and kept on with his devoted service. The sheathed finger wringled as his mouth continued to pleasure her pearl, and eventually he pressed. Everything intensified. Her rocking hips began to buck. Her quiet moans turned into howls. His steady lapping turned into hungry devouring, and he added a second finger into the tightening sheath. She grabbed a fistful of his hair and pulled his mouth in closer and ground herself into her face. This cycle of pressing and intensification continued for a more interaction until she finally reached the precipice of culmination. Let it go, she hoarsely whispered. The words were barely intelligible with his mouth so busy and buried between her trembling legs, but she knew exactly what she wanted, and she felt both compelled and relieved to comply. She almost screamed as all of attention suddenly melted into a trickle of elixir, which she hungrily lapped up as he worked her steadily through her climax. He drew it out for as long as he could, while her body convulsed in wave after wave of sheer ecstasy. Finally, the intense pleasure ebbed, and all her frustration had been successfully transferred into his throbbing loins. It was some time before she could speak coherently again. Well done, pet. She finally whispered hoarsely, Now, go make me some breakfast. 
Belated birthday worship from Mistress, from Pat, from Andronati to his mistress, Danielle. Guys, that was the show. Uh, hopefully everybody had a good time. You know that I love doing it. You know that I absolutely love you guys and appreciate every last one of you. Uh, Mika, thank you so much. I've got a little tip from you. I appreciate it very much. Kelly, of course, thank you. Thank you for saying I sound amazing. I appreciate you guys very much. Everybody, that's it. Uh, really and truly, that's all. That's all I've got for you guys. Goodness. It's so crazy to me that I got up and I did errands and I was looking at a place to live today and I can still just come back and rock it out like that for a little over two hours if you came to the uh, the pre-show at least. Uh, I had a wonderful time. I'm really loving it. Uh, as you can hear, my energy level is still pretty high at the end of a show, even though I just gave it for two straight hours, a little over two and a half, really. Uh, and I just feel fantastic. I do. Thank you to everybody for all your encouragement. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to see if there's any last-minute tips in while I get up and do some stretching and whatnot. Uh, and then I can't wait to update the progress bar. Thank you to everybody who did go ahead and tip and, and help me out with that one tonight. Uh, it's taken all of the uh, fear and all of the uh, anxiety out of finding a place right on out. I promise you. Uh, I promise you that. No matter what, me and Kitty aren't going to be totally homeless. At least we'll be able to find an Airbnb or something by the end of this. Uh, but truly, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It means the absolute word, world to me. Um, really, really, really. Thank you, guys. Thank you, every last one of you. Okay, me and Kitty are going to go have a great rest of our night. There will be a scary stream tomorrow. Uh, it will be at the normal time at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see everybody there. Uh, 9 p.m. on Saturdays. Hope to see you on the Twitch streams for scary games. Uh, that's, I think, everything I've got. Really and truly, thank you to everybody who comes out. You make the show happen. The show doesn't happen without you. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Gosh, I feel pretty good for rocking it out for as long as I did. Uh, read every last word you guys sent in, too. So maybe ready for some more. Tell your, tell your kinky friends. Bring them out for next week. I can't wait to see them. Thank you guys very, very, very much indeed. Halloween show at the end of the month. Looking forward to it uh, very much indeed. Saturday show there again the last Saturday of the month. We'll get that all scheduled up on the board pretty soon here. Thank you again, guys. I am going to go ahead and end the recording here one last time. <laughs>